On the 23rd of this month, one of my childhood heroes passed away. He was a guy who um, was well-loved by almost everyone. He was exceptionally brave. He was the type of guy who, when he saw injustice, he would do something about it. And he was a guy that was viewed upon favorably by people in government, and they appreciated him, and they backed him. He was one of my childhood heroes. Again, he died on May the 23rd. His name was Roger Moore, 007. As I've gotten older, my qualifications for heroes have changed. More or less now, I view many of my close friends as my heroes. People that I know, people who are leaders, people who are admired by others in this area, people who when they see injustice, they do something about it, people who have given themselves fully and freely for others. And even though our guest speaker this morning is not 007, he is more handsome than 007, would you please give a warm welcome to my very, very good friend, Dr. Alvin Edwards, who pastors one of the great African-American churches here in Charlottesville. He and I have done a pulpit exchange. I preached at his church several months ago, and they were warm and kind and gave me a rhapsodic applause. So let's do the same for Doc Edwards as he comes up to preach. Come on up here, Doc. Well, good morning. It's a privilege and honor to be able to come and to share with you here at City Church to my friend and brother, Pastor Pete. Um, thank you for the invitation and thank you for such a resounding. What is the big word you use? Rapsonic? Yeah. <laughs> applause. And my wife and my youngest grandchild are here, Barbara and Empress. Um, we have nine grandchildren expecting number 10. Only two granddaughters and the rest are boys. And for that, I'm thankful to the Lord for and for her. She's been blessed by me for 40 years. Sometimes I refer to her as my children's mother. It just depends on the day. Pete said, is she here? I said, no. She said, she must be mad at you. I said, well, not today. <laughs> but we're glad to be here to be able to come and to share with you. And um, I want to thank City Church for your generosity. Every year we do the back-to-school bash, and you all give generously and kindly. And I want to thank you all for your kindness to make a difference in the life of some child whose parents are not able to provide backpacks and some school supplies, and I just want you to know that I appreciate that. Thank you. Now, if you have your Bibles, 
from a book out of the Old Covenant that are known as Job. Some of you may want to say Job, but it's Job. Verses chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. And I'm reading the Message Bible this morning. And here's what it says. One day when the angels came to report to God, Satan, who was the designated accuser, came along with them. God singled out Satan and said, what have you been up to? Satan answered God, going here and there, checking things out on earth. God said to Satan, have you noticed my friend Job? There's no one quite like him. Honest and true to his word, totally devoted to God and hating evil. Satan retorted, so do you think Job does all that out of the sheer goodness of his heart? Why, no one had ever had it so good. You pamper him like a pet, but make sure nothing bad ever happens to him or his family or his possessions. Bless everything he does. He can't lose. But what do you think would happen if I reached down, took away everything that is his, he cursed you right to your face, that's what? God replied, we'll see. Go ahead, do what you want with all that is his. Just don't hurt him. Then Satan left the presence of God. And then chapter 2, and this will make sense to you once I get started. Chapter 2, verse 1. One day when the angels came to report to God, Satan also showed up. God singled out Satan, saying, and what have you been up to? Satan answered God, oh, going here and there, checking things out. Then God said to Satan, have you noticed my friend Job? There's no one quite like him, is there? Honest and true to his word, totally devoted to God, and hating evil, he still has a firm grip on his integrity. You tried to trick me into destroying him, but it didn't work. Satan answered, a human would do anything to save his life, but what do you think would happen if you reached down, took away his health, he'd curse you to your face, that's what? God said, all right, go ahead, you can do what you like with him, but mind you, don't kill him. And what I want to talk with you about today is don't let God down. Don't let God down. And I want to do this in the first person. So if you would allow me for just a few minutes to use my sanctified imagination, I'm going to play the part of Job. <clears throat> my name is Job. And I've been given a furlough from eternity at the request of Pastor Pete Hartwick to come to City Church and share my side of the story about what happened in my life. My message is about don't let God down. Many of you may not have heard of me or even read about me, even though I've been preached about, been taught about, sung about, and some of you even questioned about whether I'm fixed or fashioned. And in some circles, many church folks could say they have heard and read many things about me, but this morning, I want to share my side of the story with you. You see, I can tell when folks don't know too much about me, or they're not familiar with the Scriptures, because they will call me Job and not Job. I didn't know I was so popular until I heard some of you all singing a song about me, and it goes like this, you can't hurry God, you just have to wait. Trust and give him time no matter how long it takes. He's a God you can't hurry. 
You don't have to worry. He may not come when you want him, but he's right on time. Job was sick so long till the flesh fell from his bones, etc. And I can tell you, yes, I suffered a great deal. And in all honesty, I really didn't want to go through all the suffering that I went through. You see, on the other side of the Testament, Jesus the Christ suffered enough for all of us. And I didn't want to go through what I went through. And I know that some of you have struggled with me, wondering if my story is fact or fiction, or whether I'm real or not. But can I tell you the reason you struggle with me is because you got stuck on some stuff that you read about me? You see, there is some stuff in the book with my name on it that you should have captured your attention. And in all honesty, if I had not gone through what I went through, then my theology would not have changed. And my basic understanding of Satanology would not have changed either. You see, back in the day, some of you believed that Satan was a myth. And in the 21st century, today, some of you still believe that Satan has a long tail dressed in a red jumpsuit and lives underground. And I hope you know that is not true. Because I need to tell you that Satan has gotten a makeover. He no longer has a tail or horns or carries a pitchfork in the 21st century. Satan carries briefcases, iPods, iPads, MP3 computers, and yes, he even carries a Bible. And the biggest thing of all is the devil lives at the very same address you live at. Satan no longer dresses up in a red jumpsuit, for he now wears Gucci. Yves Saint Laurent, Giovanni, sweatsuits, and yes, he'll even dress up in a robe. And if you did not know Satan can look so much like an angel of light that he almost fools the very elect of heaven. And I need to tell you that what I went through helped me with my theology as well as my Satanology. The point that I want you to remember this morning is don't let God down. What I want you to see in this story is that my story did not begin on terra firma or the planet Earth. This incident happens in some far-off corner of eternity where the sons of God reported to God, where the angels of the Lord went to worship God in heaven, and Satan went right along with them. Satan, Lucifer, the adversary, Slewfoot, whatever you want to call him, traveled along with the angels. Now, when I learned, what I learned about this is that that in and of itself presented a little problem for me because it says something about God that he will allow any and all in his presence. But think about it. The nerve of Satan to enter into the presence of God, and so Satan enters into the presence of God along with the sons of God. And I can tell you what I learned. Something interesting happened when he enters the presence of God. He enters silently. Listen, Satan does not engage God. God engages Satan. And all of us ought to learn something from the devil. When it comes to entering the presence of God, the Bible says the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. Can I tell you that y'all talk too much when you come to church? 
that you come in, you got to kiss everybody, you got to hug them, and then you just got out of the car with them. And in some cases, you just got off the telephone with them. You got to hug this one, touch that one. You keep too much noise going on when you come to God's house. When you come in, God gets totally ignored in his own house. This is God's living room, and you come in, address everybody but God. And what I learned from the devil was this. When you enter God's presence, you need to be quiet. Your Bible reads like this, be still and know that I am God. And besides him, there is no other. So God breaks the silence. And he says to Satan, yo, where you been? Don't ever trust it when God asks you a question. It's a setup. <laughs> Why would the one who knows everything would have to ask anyone anything? God asked Satan, where you been? When God asked Adam in the Garden of Eden, where art thou? You know God already knew where Adam was. Adam didn't know where he was. When God asked Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel said, I ain't jumping into that. If I say no, look at who I'm talking to. If I say yes, I don't really believe it. So Ezekiel said, you know, Lord. Well, in the book of Matthew, Judas, Jesus asked Judas, and Jesus said unto him, my friend, why are you here? The men grabbed Jesus and arrested him. Jesus had already prophesied that Judas would betray him. And when God asked a question, he is uncovering something. And so God said to Satan, where you been? Even in the presence of God, the father of lies has got to tell the truth. Satan said, loitering, I'm unemployed. I'm homeless. It's not that I'm not busy. It's just that I can't get a job or I can't get an apartment to live in. I'm moving around trying to do some stuff, but I can't get anywhere with it. Now, here you got this dialogue going on between the divine and the demonic, and that's when the stuff really starts. God said again, where you been? And Satan said, I told you to and fro, trying to seek and destroy whom I can devour. I've been everywhere, can't get nothing done. And then the stuff started. Listen to what God said to Satan. God said to Satan, have you noticed my friend Job? I mean, he's talking about me. There's no one quite like him. I'm glad he had those good words to say about me. He's honest and true to his word, totally devoted to me and hating evil. Now, I had a problem with that, though. Think about the thoughts that go through your mind when you see your friend talking to the enemy. I mean, somebody you're supposed to have a good relationship with is now having a conversation with somebody they can't stand. I mean, your worst enemy is talking to the one of the main members of your family. And here it is, y'all. God and Satan are in dialogue. And let's look at what God does. He volunteers me. Now, you know, I had to ask myself, is God my friend or my foe? Is God on my side or is he against me? Satan has already said I've been everywhere trying to mess with somebody, and God said, have you considered Job? <laughs> Satan said, yeah, of course. He said, I've been everywhere. 
I went over to his house. You had a hedge about him. The hedge was so low I couldn't get under it. It was so wide I couldn't go around it. It was so high I couldn't get over it. It was so thick I couldn't go through it. His security was better than ADT. And Satan said, yeah, God, I've been by Job's house. I've been by his job. I've followed his children to school. I was at their weddings. I watched him make his sacrifices to you. Yeah, I've been after Job for a long, long time. Yeah, I know Job. And God said, he is honest and true to his word and totally devoted to me. And he hates evil. You know when Satan said to God, he said, who wouldn't want a portfolio like that from you? A perfect God said in the King James Version that Job was perfect. But now let me give you a word of caution. Whatever you do, don't think that perfect means I was without fault. If I was perfect, I would not have had the habit of offering sacrifices whenever my children gathered and had family reunions. So I offered sacrifices for myself, for Mrs. Job, and for my children, for when we messed up, perfect means this. When I messed up, I confessed it, and then I went on. The problem with many folks is when they mess up, they don't confess it, and then they act like they're right. But God said, I was perfect and upright. And I love him, and I hate evil, and Satan said, yeah, but he doesn't fear you. And you love, he loves you for nothing. You are so good to him, it's a crying pity and a low-down, dirty shame. Everything you do for Job, he can't help but serve you. Job ain't good to you for nothing, Lord. Now, Satan is telling the truth, even though he's the father of lies, but he is in the presence of of Almighty. And Satan in his own way peeks God's whole card and he uses it against him and he says to God, listen, Job ain't good to you for nothing. But then Satan oversteps his bounds and says, Lord, I bet you if you move the head, I can make Job curse you to your face. Now, all of this is about me, and I, I can't get a word in edgewise. I'm listening, and I thought to myself, ain't that some nerve? The demonic in the face of divinity says, I bet you I can make him curse you to his face and listen to the Lord. And the strangest thing of all is this. God said, you got a deal. And while they were having discussion, I was thinking to myself, but wait a minute, God, can I have something to say about this bet? I volunteer Pastor Pete. volunteer the security man. I volunteer other folks at City Church. Not me. Get somebody else. Listen. Did you see what God just did? He turned me. The one he said is perfect and upright. Who loved him and hated evil. He turned me over to the devil. So I said, can I tell you this? So the next time you're going through something that you ain't got no business going through, remember what I went through. First of all, you see, my story teaches you something about perspective. That is, you got to look 
what you're going through for at the right angle. The reason God turned me over to Satan was not to punish me, but he turned me over as a vote of confidence he had in me. In other words, God is strutting his stuff. God is said, go on, mess with him if you will. He's all right. He, he, he ain't going to let me down. Go on, mess with him, Satan. You got this. Job, Job got this. So God moved ahead. And my brothers and sisters, when the demonic visits you at your address, when he dials you at your phone number, when he text messages you or emails you or instant messages you or twitters you, when you go to church, you can talk, you will talk more about the devil than you will about God. And since y'all looking at me straight, I was listening from the portals of eternity. Now I remember some folks testifying and said, I thought one while I wasn't going to make it. But then they said that old devil tried to keep me at home. And if you listen long enough, you will discover that the old devil they were talking about may have been somebody's spouse. But if that is who it is and who, who are you, Mrs. Old Devil or Mr. Old Devil? Because it must be a terrible thing to be married to the devil. I mean, I've heard you all say the devil made me run out of gas. No, you just, didn't, you just ignored the needle of the gas tank. And so you talk about the devil more than you do God. When God is your father, God is your creator, God is your provider, God is the one who takes care of you, God is your savior, he's your maker, he's your friend. When you're coming here, don't talk about the devil, talk about the goodness of almighty God. It's your perspective it's how you look at what you're going through. Because you've got to understand that since Jesus paid it all, you don't have to keep paying down on it. Either Jesus handled it or he did not handle it. And so God turned me over to Satan. Not punishment, but it was a vote of confidence because God knew I would not let him down. He trusted me, but the challenge is, can he trust you? Can he depend on you when you're caught between a hard place and a rock? When your back is against the wall, can God depend on you? You may say, well, preacher, God, is God a gambler? It looks like it. I call him that because none of you will. Because, but it looks like he took a bet on me. And I wonder, can he depend on you? Because in so many words, God was saying, I believe in you. I know you. I'm intimately acquainted with you in that I know every word that you speak. I know the number of hairs on your head. I can look behind the smile on your face and see the frown on your heart. And the old folks used to say, he knows me better than I know myself. And so if you got to look, whenever the devil pays your visit, Remember, it's your perspective and how you look at it, because if you look at it the wrong way, then God will not be able to depend on you. And so I was in satanic grasp because God moved the hedge. And my point to you is all of this, and that God will give Satan permission to mess with you. That's why when you read in the New Testament, the book of Luke, 
Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you. God calls a meeting. Our name comes up. But what he says, he has desired to have you, but he wants you to know that I prayed for you. But then another thing you've got to understand, too, that Satan can't mess with you unless God gives him permission to do it. <laughs> he gives the devil permission to mess with you, but it's got restrictions. You see, in chapter 1, the story that God said, go on and touch his, but don't touch him. Touch his stuff, but don't touch him. And I'm sure everybody in here done had their stuff touched. And think about how your life gets all out of whack. You lose a job, and all of a sudden, you don't know where you, what you're going to do. Your house gets foreclosed on. You just want to give up. Your car gets wrecked. It breaks down. You can't do anything. You lose money. Everybody is crazy and a thief. And think about how we act when our stuff gets touched. That's why Jesus said you ought not be determined and defined by the abundance of your stuff. Can I tell you that a child of God, ought to, whether they're riding or walking, whether they're broke or with plenty, whether they're in sickness or in health, for better, for worse, single or divorced, be a child of God and know that he is right there by your side because Satan can't touch you unless God gives him permission. So Satan touched my stuff, my possessions, and I went to Oakwood Cemetery 10 times in one visit because I lost seven children, seven sons, and three daughters who were feasting at one of their houses, and their house caved in, and all of them died. And that's not all my stuff. The stock market got funny, and my 401s crashed. My CDs, I lost interest on. My savings went south. But you know what I did? I went to worship. I went to church anyhow. I worshiped the Lord. I prayed and I praised God. I, I called on the Alpha and the Omega. I praised the Lord for all he had given me and blessed me with. And again, one day I was eavesdropping from eternity and I overheard a conversation from one of your church members responding to the question about what they had, where they had been. And they said, well, Reverend, I was, I, I, I was having some problems. And I thought to myself, they were having problems and they stayed away from God's house. Yes, they stayed away from God's house. And I start thinking to myself, that's like being unemployment, like being in the unemployment line and praying not to get a job. Or lying in bed and saying, I'm looking for a job. And I wanted so bad to get in that conversation and tell them, ain't no job going to come knocking at your door. When trouble comes, go to the house of the Lord. When trouble comes, get down on Neeway Station. When trouble comes, thank God for what he's, how far he's already brought you, but also ask him to be with you, to talk with you, to affirm your faith and trust in him. Where do you go that everybody is right? People say, well, I ain't going to church because everybody there ain't right. There are too many hypocrites. And you know what I tell him? There's always room for one more. <laughs> you got to look at the scriptures and see how good God is. Don't you know God will still give you a word even if you don't like the preacher? God will still touch you even when you go to church mad at everybody. God loves you enough that even no matter what happens, he will bless you anyhow. So you better get on in God's house.
So when I had problems, I praised and I prayed. I had my problem, but I still went and worshiped. And when I got there, I didn't just sit around. I testified and I praised God. And folks knew all around town what I was going through because it was on the front page of the Daily Progress. It says, extra, extra, read all about it. Mr. Job is broke. But then when I got to church, people started whispering and wondering what I was doing there. And I wasn't into that stupid stuff and, 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 and going around saying, I don't want to know anybody's business. But listen, when people don't know your business for you, they, they, they will make up business for you. They don't even know you, but they'll still say, I heard. So put yourself in the way so that God can bless you. Don't be scared or scared, as the kids say, about somebody going to know your business. Put yourself in the way so that they can know how God blesses you in spite of whether they know your business or not. I went on to God's house anyway, and when I got there, I didn't just sit around. I testified. I got up and said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That was my testimony. I didn't say the devil takes away. I'm not going to give that demon free publicity. God is God, and he is so much God that if you make your bed hell, he's even there. You see, I held fast to my integrity. And if you don't mind, let me give you Alvin Edwards' translation. I heard him say that no matter what went down, that Job never gave the devil credit for anything going on in his life. And so Satan departed for me a season. But then there was a repeat, and I'm coming around third. He went back and did the same thing, and God said, haven't you accepted that Job is a fine man and a wonderful man? You keep trying to move me against him, but he's all right, Satan. Satan answered, a human would do anything to save his life. But what do you think would happen if you reached down and took away his health? He'd curse you to your face. In other words, Satan said, let me threaten his life. As long as I'm taking his stuff, he's all right. But let me threaten the life that is his body. And God said, you got a deal. Well, then I was plagued with poor health. Satan touched my body and pus-filled aromatic sores began to adorn my body. I was in such bad shape that in my bedroom that my children's mother, my wife, Mrs. Job, moved out. And they put me in a bed that had a canopy over it to keep the flies and the gnats away. And the windows were up because the stench was so great. And the misery of that house became so great that I moved out to go live on the city dump because I was in bad shape. And so I wanted to tell you that I could not go to church because of the people in the church. And since I could not go to church, I did what Daniel did. I turned my face toward Jerusalem, and I praised and blessed his name. You see, what Satan will not accept, that there are some believers who live for causes, and we should give our lives for causes. And I like what the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, if a man ain't ready to die for something, he ain't fit to live. And so Jesus helped me to know that if you take my life, kill me because I'm going to rise again. But I need to tell you that Satan is not only busy, he's dirty. Because he went after my partner in marriage, Mrs. Job, my better half, my significant other, my soulmate, my partner, my wife, the mother of my children. And up to this point, who had done everything for me she could. 
But she became so burdened. She became so vulnerable to demonic influence. She was doing everything she could, but everything she could was not good enough. And so she came to me and said, baby, why don't you just curse God and die? And my brothers and sisters, the only time you will find the word curse in the Bible was between God and the devil. And the devil told God, I will make Job curse you to your face. And the only other time it shows up is when Mrs. Job says, why don't you curse God and die? My brothers and sisters, I'm not just messing with women. But the devil uses wives too. Now, Mrs. Job did not mean any harm. She just asked me to do some self-imposed euthanasia. And if I had done it, the devil would have said, gotcha. But she didn't know what, she was going, what was going on. I looked at Mrs. Job and said, baby, is that you? And she said, yeah, it's me. I said, you sound like one of the foolish women. Now, foolish doesn't mean you don't know. Foolish means what you do know ain't active enough for you to be handling things right at this moment. Foolish means you have forgotten stuff that you should be remembering. Mrs. Job got reprimanded lovingly by her husband because he didn't want to let, let, let God down. And so he just said to her, you talk like a foolish woman. And then Job had three pals. And they came. And they accused Job of being wrong, of doing something wrong. The three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, and they sat with him for several days and nothing was said. And then they went into the blame game. Job, you must have done something. I could not go to church, but I kept my prayer life going. And they said, and, and, and I said to them, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain my own ways before him. I'm going to wait until my changes come. I just wanted to tell you, my brothers and sisters, your anger at God doesn't stop God from being God. Your questions cannot intimidate him. But I want you to know, I kept God's attention. I was patient. And one day I put an APB out on God. And I said, I wish I could find him. I moved forward and could not find him. I go backwards and could not find him. I moved to the right. He's not there. To the left, he was not there. But then one day God showed up. And God said, Job, I heard you looking for me. I said, yeah, I'm looking for you. I got an issue with you. I got a case against you, and I need you to accept my subpoena to court. Well, God did. He showed up. I called my first witnesses. I said, you, God. God took the witness stand, and maybe there was some kind of Bible there, and the bailiff said to God, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, so help you? And God said, I am truth. God said to me, Job, Let's end this charade right now. And you take the witness stand. And I tell you that if you answer one of my questions, I'll answer yours. And you know what Job said to me? God said to me, where do the rains come from? Where were you when the morning stars sang together? Where were you when the sons of God shouted the door? Where does the ice come from? Job, answer one of my questions. And you know what I said? I'll rest my case. Because the Bible says that my affliction did not end until I prayed for our enemies. And I close with this. The last thing I learned, I remember God's promises. Whenever you go through stuff, there will be somebody attached to it. 
Whenever you go through anything, there will be some human instrumentation. And in this case, it was God who was attached to the promise. And what we've got to remember that no matter how bad things may look, how bad things may become, you've got to remember that he promised never to leave you alone. That's why I like what the songwriter said. I've seen the lightning flash. Said, I heard the thunder roll. I felt sin breakers dashing, trying to conquer my soul. But I heard the voice of Jesus say, still fight on. He promised never, ever, ever, ever to leave you alone. Let's stand. And God said to Satan, Consider my servant Job. Consider him. Doc had a title to his message, and it was this. Do not let God down. Don't let him down. As we stand into his presence, I know some of you feel like Job. You look around and you would not sign up for what you're in the midst of. Just remember that God is with you. He's with you. And as we hang on, He becomes our deliverer, the one who sets us free. Can we take just a moment in God's presence to close our eyes but open up our hearts? And as we do so, would you take a moment to open up your heart to Him? And would you declare with everything that's in you, my God is good. My God provides. My God is God. We're going to do that through this next song. But I want you just for a moment to testify from the depths of your soul that God is good just the way Job did. Even when the evidence eluded him, Job would testify that God is good. Let's take a moment to worship him. Keep your eyes closed, but your hearts open by faith. And after a few moments, I want you to join in with the worship team as we worship our good God together. Dip your heart in the streams of the 
Let the pain and the sorrow be washed away in the waves of His mercy. And Job said, Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Normally at this time in our service, I conclude with a blessing. But I'm going to ask Alvin Edwards, would you come on up here and join me up front? I'm going to ask that Pastor Edwards would say a blessing over City Church. That he would just pray over us, whatever God has in his heart. When he's done doing that, I'll come back up and dismiss us. But if you're comfortable doing this, would you mind just kind of closing your eyes but putting your hands out in front of you as a sign of receptivity before God? So, Doc, would you pray a blessing over us? Eternal God, our fathers, we bow our heads this day. I thank you for Pastor Pete. Thank you for the city church. I thank you for the ministry that they provide. I thank you for the difference they make in life. And I just pray, Lord, for a stronger presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you will continue to move on the heart, the mind, just move on this church, Lord, in a way that has never been done before. Thank you for their commitment to Christ this morning. Thank you, Lord, for their love for you. Thank you for their love for their pastor. Now, Lord, I pray especially for continued strengthening of their gifts, that the gifts might enable others to come closer to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for friendship. Thank you for fellowship. Now, Lord, keep us in that care. 
use us as your instruments. Help us to let our light shine so that men and women might see and glorify our Heavenly Father. Now bless this pastor. Keep him using. Continue to use him as a preacher, as a pastor. To use him as a teacher. And then, Lord, use him until you use him. I don't want my brother to rust out, Lord. I want him to wear out. To wear out under your glory and your honor. Now bless this Let's give Doc another sign of appreciation for coming to share. One quick thing before we go into worship just for a moment again. This is a holiday weekend. And so we have a small need this morning for people, if you might be able to stay and help break down. Some of our regular people are away on vacation, which they're allowed to do once a year. They're allowed to go away. But if you might be available to stay just briefly, if you will exit the auditorium, move to your right, there's a draped off area. There'll be people that will be there to kind of lead you into areas where we might need a little bit of help. How many of you were blessed by the message this morning? How many of you were blessed by that? Doc, I think God has called you to preach. I believe that that's true. So thank you for coming away from your church on the other side of the city to come here and bless us. I know all of us will never, ever be able to view Job and the book of Job the same again. Will you? I know that I won't. Job, in my mind, will be an African-American guy with a silk suit on that talked to me about the goodness of God in the midst of my trials. Amen? Amen. And now may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you, and in the midst of your trials, may He give you the comfort He gave to Job. And all God's people said... Amen and amen. Let's stay just for a moment for worship. When your heart is full, slip out quietly. God bless you.
Oh,